Hi, we're the Ghouls Next Door. I'm Gabe, the Horror Tribble. And I'm Kat, the Death by Robots Tribble. And you're listening to the Black Tribbles Network. We are part of a really amazing geeky network that explores all things that you find geeky and nerdy. Uh, And cool. Yeah. If that's the Black Tribbles or Garbled Cast or this one, which is specifically about horror in society. Enjoy. next door yeah so we're starting a new series yeah we i have finished with the end of the world we're done with it we just want to live in this world yeah just figure it out i uh, guess yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> so so cheery today cat uh <laughs> This, this time, we're going to do a series um, covering representation in horror. We've talked and touched on it previously with episodes like um, African Americans in horror film and women in horror film previously. I think that's just, I think that was it, right? Those are two general topics that we've covered yeah. in representation. I was there, and we talked about stuff. <laughs> yes. And we had guests, and that was the exciting part. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just the thing, right? So we are not authorities on these subjects. Um, we might have some experiences or similar experiences, but not a full understanding of what these worlds are. So instead of us just, you know, pretending that we're <laughs> all knowledgeable and talking about things that we shouldn't be talking about, we are going to invite people on all throughout this series to help us discuss these important topics um, and how they're being represented in horror and what it means to them. So today we are joined by a good friend of mine, uh, Leah Vandertack. Hello. How is everybody? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you have such a cool name. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah, one of those, you know, three-letter, four-word yeah, <laughs> it's very unique. <laughs> yeah, it's all, yeah. I um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming and being in our our podcast lair, and being a guest and helping us talk about things. Thank you for having me. It's nice and you know homey down here with all the creepy stuff on the wall. Yep. Yeah. Have you met our doll children? <laughs> yeah. Oh our man, happy the doll, doll family. We'll have we to have. officially introduce you later. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and you are officially now living here. You don't know, but you are trapped in our basement. That's how it works. That sounds about right. I, I think I expected that. <laughs> yeah, when you come to the goals, that's how it works. Um, today we're specifically talking about a, an episode I've been dying to talk about ever since um, I saw the trailer for Cam, which is a Netflix film. And so we're going to be talking about sex workers in horror, which is sex workers in the horror of real life. <laughs> yeah, like representation in general. There are not yeah. too many horror movies based around sex work, particularly ones that paint sex workers in a positive light. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's, um, you know, they're a tool, right? Or they're a victim or just like a, a way to teach the protagonist a lesson. Like, look what happens. Yep. <laughs> You're promiscuous. The, the world will get you. And yeah. That's my old-timey man voice. It's very similar to just how women are treated in horror a lot of the time. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's like essentially you lose your value if you are not the virginal angel person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're deflowered, which is just toxic language, right? Yeah. Like, I'm always a flower. Excuse you. <laughs> you're always a flower or you always have a flower. Deflowered could be, you know... Yeah, you didn't, no one can take my flower. It is here. And it's powerful. <laughs> and it's always blooming and blossoming. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so language. Yeah, I, um, so uh, we in, invited you on because we feel like you have some insight, right? So if you want to give us a, a little taste, and then we'll be diving more into that. But just kind of like an overview of like, interactions and and your experiences in life yeah so um 
I kind of fell into sex work a little bit. Um, I had a rather popular Tumblr and <laughs> was, uh, you know, getting thirst happy with it. And it started to become more of a thing, particularly when I was introduced to the burlesque world and met mm-hmm. a bunch of other sex workers. And to be clear, I don't necessarily group burlesque into sex work. It's, uh, you know, a line there. But um, a lot of these people had other experiences and I started learning more about it. I, you know, wanted to get away from the sort of horophobia feelings that I had in my youth um, and just be okay with a lot of things. Like, it just opened up my world to that. Um, So I started doing more things because it's, you know, being a young adult, it starts to get expensive and you have to take care of things yourself. Um, You know, I was in college, I had a job and an internship or whatever. I still couldn't pay for nothing. So Mm -hmm. I started doing more. I, I basically found the ability to wield my sexuality, which was not something I had a great relationship with. But to yield it for power, and um, that really was helpful to me uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and at the beginning of it, it was like a lot of fear. I was careful about what I did. You know, like camming was really scary to me mm-hmm. because that has a lot of a lot more propensity to like go wrong. You know, mm-hmm. um, depending on what you're doing and the level of safety, um, the websites you're using, how much personal information you have out there. Because part of, you know, having those, like, using sex work sites is that a lot of times you're not going to get any sort of traction unless you have some sort of other social media presence that can draw people. Because it's all about, you know, Mm self-promotion and Mm -hmm. you have to be able to find clients and a lot of it's not necessarily built into those websites um and especially in the beginning because it's an art especially being a cam girl is an absolute art it's a performance and a lot of the other sorts of sex work um not like you know save uh prostitution in person i don't really like that word either but in-person sex work um those things are a lot more trying than like say selling nudes, selling videos, doing custom video work that you could just post up and you know even being an escort versus those types of things. This is a lot of different types of sex work you can be doing and um, there's different risk factors with each one. Yeah, awesome and we're gonna pick your brain on that because it's that's a lot <laughs> to, to digest right and I think that's um, speaks a lot to kind of the 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 lens that everyone kind of looks at sex work with, right? Is that we just kind of like, that's what Cam, watching Cam was so amazing. Um, just cause it was just like, well, I, you know, I just never really understood the mechanics of that. I never really understood the depth of like the different ways in which um, sex work like is used, like <laughs> where it is and what that means, right? Cause this is a big topic um, and it's covered by many things, right? So I feel like most people have like one specific version that they, just know of Mm -hmm. or like accept as and then the other stuff is just like seen as like this fringe but that's not true and so um yeah so we'll uh be diving into that and ask some more questions and then um we are going to cover uh cam which is on netflix as well as um a a docu-series that's also on netflix uh so cool talking about sex work and uh we already kind of got a taste of the different ways that we can see sex work like what it looks like um the different kind of viewpoints but um just give us a little about what what is sex work essentially so sex work is you know work for hire service um usually of a sexual nature but it can also be of a sort of intimate or romantic nature um and based off human connections a lot like any other customer service job, just the nature of it is different than those other jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there's also this uh, explanation of um, sex work doesn't always involve 
things of necessarily sexual nature, um, that there's, it's more to it than that, than just like, like people aren't just, just having sex. That's not what that is. <laughs> there's, there's so much more that encompasses it. Yeah. And sometimes like as the sex worker, you're not necessarily nude. You're not necessarily doing anything innately sexual to you. And you could also be, you know, in an escort nature where the person doesn't want a sexual or a physical relationship. Um, and I think all of those things still fall under a sex work umbrella. It's often like the same sites, the same sex worker doing multiple different types of services based off their client. It's all really about like what the client is interested in um, and what you do as a sex worker and your boundaries. And it can be, it can look like a lot of different things. Yeah, and it's essentially under the same umbrella of having a, a goal um, of, of, I would, yeah, I guess pleasure is the word. <laughs> um, but, it, I mean, that pleasure can take many forms. Um, so you can have it just being someone to confide in. Um, it could be, you know, trying something new or unique that you think might be something that helps <laughs> in those ways that you can try with other people. Um, yeah, it's it's a way to kind of connect um, not only to the stranger on the internet, but also to yourself, right? Find, figure out yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, as important as it is to like dispel uh, stereotypes about sex workers themselves, it's important to think about their clients as well, because you would be absolutely shocked if you're not, you know, in a pretty open-minded circle of people or you know, like sex, sex work is a stigma for you. Um, You'd be surprised the type of clients that come through and need some sort of support or want something. They're, they're just doing it for fun. They have, like, a particular interest in one specific sex worker. You know, there's, like, all sorts of different ways that it takes form for the sex worker. But same thing for the client. And sometimes that client is not at all who you would expect. Yeah. Is um, Do you find, um, like, that there's a specific client that you gravitate towards or that like that maybe like sex workers find more like engaging or is it just like this is what I do if someone wants this it's getting done kind of um I am a like highly empathetic uh person <laughs> and am willing to take on like a variety of different clientele and have um but generally I feel like I attract more submissive clients, um, which isn't true for everyone as far as being a sex worker, but I think that it's different for each sex worker. Like, if you're a dom, obviously your clients are going to be subs. Yeah. Um, you are sense. not going to attract dominant men or, you know, somebody that just wants you to hold their hand or whatever. That's, yeah, it, <laughs> it's really based off what you do and honestly how you market yourself as a sex worker. Um, and sometimes it's like people have their own ideas of their perception of you and either you can choose to be like, all right, I'm going to go with this because that sounds like some good money. Or you're like, no, no, this is definitely not for me. Um, but maybe I have a friend that does do that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's all different across the board. Yeah. And yeah, because it, it, that's kind of just like in any field, right? It's just like, I'm an expert in X, Y, and Z, right? And I can provide you the best experience for these things. But if you want something outside of this, it's like either accept that it's not going to be like the grade A service or let me refer you to a service that does that. Um, Precisely. <laughs> yeah. um, it's work. <laughs> Everyone, it's work. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about this idea of the, um, the sorry to bother you kind of aspect between um like your personal self who you are right and who you're walking around with when you're with your friends and your family and loved ones versus the persona that you put online or in that place or like what you're promoting because those are two different people right we have our customer service voice we're like hi sorry to bother you this is what the podcast is um and then there's me at home that sounds totally different right so just tell us about like how to like, is it easy to flip that switch in other struggles that you might have, like, interacting with people? So some people never get to, like, meet the sex worker that they're getting a service from. You know, it's strictly professional. They're on that all the time. But that 
they still might just absolutely believe that that's their personality. Um, and sometimes sex workers' personalities, like online or in their work, is aligned with their personality in real life or their wants or their needs, but a lot of the time it's not. Um, and there seem to be a disconnect sometimes with clients because um, in all the sex work circles that I'm in and every time I've had this sort of conversation, we all have like the one client that just doesn't get it, you know? And that one client is a recurring thing generally um, that we're not, like that is a performance or that is what we're doing because you are paying us to do, just like put the smile on and give the person their ice cream or their beer or their sandwich or whatever you have to do as a customer service person. Um, that That's all we're doing. It's a job. Uh, so for people to conflate that with like reality is really problematic, but it happens all the time. And, you know, it, sometimes you have to meet people where they are. If it's like a client who's, quite obviously socially inept or has some sort of disability or something that makes it harder for them to understand that those are two different things. Sometimes like that can be relatively harmless and you just like, you're, you're just going to perform all the time, even if you have to meet them in, in real life. But, um, sometimes people are just like awful about it. And in those cases, there's definitely times where you have to just be like, I'm cutting this off now because you do not understand this boundary and you are not a harmless human. And there's a lot of walls you got to put in between those things because people get confused a lot about what is real <laughs> and what is the service that we are providing. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, kind of on that. So we're going to be talking about the film cam from Netflix and that is actually directed by a former cam girl, right? So I did want to dive into what a cam girl is, but also I kind of want to talk about um, what are the real-life horrors that a sex worker might encounter, because um, that director has spoken on it before and kind of what influenced this film, and you kind of see it as someone who's just, like, looking for something more than just, like, oh, I'm getting spooked, right? Um, you're, there are parts of that film that make you cringe because <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen that before. Um, but just, like, what is... The, the real life horrors, and then also what is a cam girl specifically? So cam girls um, do live videos just generally, and sometimes it's of a sexual nature, but um, a lot of the times it's like on cam girl websites, and they'll do a show on their on their site, um, and sometimes it's like you know really accomplished cam girls have like well thought out like theatrical shows. They have all sorts of things going on, and some of those things aren't even remotely related to sex. Like I've seen people make money off just eating noodles online. Um, <laughs> there the are some smushes their face into bread. Yeah. Yes. There's, yes. Yeah. Okay. There's some weird <laughs> ones out there, but a lot of the times it's sexual in nature and, um, could be like related to masturbation or somebody just being a dom for whoever's on the other side of the screen. Um, and that oftentimes it's like a chat room and people can, basically like give some sort of uh like a coin or a star or whatever the the symbol is for money yeah <laughs> um that they're basically tipping you and you know the more people who are tipping you which can be based off of your act or things you're asking and the interaction there's a lot more interaction element to camming than there is a lot of the more like passive things like stealing news or whatever you know. Yeah, they get to be an active participant. Kind of like if you were going to go watch a dancer, right? Like, and then you, you're like, dollars, and now lap dance or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like that, but online. Yeah, like live streaming on Facebook, but like people have to tip you to get you to do things or whatever. And uh, yeah, like, it's game much like you know, Twitch. You <laughs> money while they're doing stuff in the game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, go into that cave. And you're like, I don't want to. And they're like, here's 10 bucks. And you're like, you know what? I'd love to go in that cave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so as far as fears um, or, you know, risks or things that are real life hearts, um, the most obvious ones that you can think of is like your identity being revealed or uh, a, a client like going rogue, um, one of your fans finding you, uh, introducing themselves on the, you know, in public. There's like all sorts of things in that nature or like being exposed, like somebody screenshotting your content and like sending it to your boss. Like there's 
those sorts of risk factors that you would get on the internet anyway. Mm. Um, but what I find most interesting about Cam, the movie, is that it plays a lot on a whole different fear, which is, you know, having your content stolen, having your identity and taken and used and you not being able to see any of the benefits of that, which mm-hmm. happens all the time. We, we mentioned this earlier when we were talking about it is like somebody having their content taken and then used on Pornhub or some, one of those other sites. And then it's like getting a ton of hits, but that person's making the money. The people who were performing in that piece did not make a cent. And that's a huge concern, you know, that happens with photos as well as videos. Yeah, it's li- it's literally like if you were an artist, like if you're a graphic artist, and then someone steals your work. Yeah, like and Jenner, whatever her name is, you know, part of the <laughs> the that. issue about sex work being criminalized is that you have no protection from any of these things. You know, you can't be like, this is a copyright violation because you're not supposed to be doing that. So you have no claim, and it's the same thing with sex work related violence because you were already quote unquote doing something wrong you don't have a protection from violence or stalking or all of those things that a normal person in any situation even remotely similar would be able to protect themselves from yeah and i was so i feel like this discussion is um like part two of what our women in horror uh, episode was. So we had Timory from Sex with Timory podcast um, on to talk about like how women have been represented in horror, which is like generally we have uh, tropes that we fulfill um, from something like the final girl, the blonde victim, right? But it's always centered on this idea that like any promiscuous woman who's outside of the norm of like, you know, you're virginal and chaste and like you're sweet or you have um, like final girls generally have a um, uh, like a, a name that could, what is the word for that? My, like my name. Uh, gender neutral. <laughs> yeah, like a gender neutral name. So like they're not like super effeminate. Um, but it's just this idea that women are supposed to uphold a very specific role in society. And when they step out of that, like there has to be rep- repercussions to keep us in line, right? Like it's that's why we cross our legs and why we take up less space and all those things that you learn in like feminism 101, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's like extended to sex work, right? Is like if we, stigmatize just the existence of women who enjoy sex, right? Or understand that this is a commodity in and of itself, right? And that you're literally just giving someone what they want. It's not like you're enforcing your sexual nature onto someone, right? There is a demand. There is a demand for it. So obviously, yeah, that's why there is sex work. There was always sex work. This is nothing new. We've just evolved. Yeah, and, and that's why I think um, when we're seeing sex work on screen, that's why they're generally um, like a victim or they're used as like, you know, the motive for the, the, the protagonist who's supposed to be good to be like, look what happens when you sleep around, right? Um, or God forbid you've ever had an orgasm. <laughs> You're going to get it. And so when we um, see sex workers in film, um, we're supposed to, to, to be angry with them, which is why I feel like in society, like they're stigmatized as well. And that's why we can't legalize it. That's why the people aren't like allowing them to have protection and like, let's make sure everyone has to get like checked. <laughs> we can get like health insurance so we can make sure everyone's protected. Um, like ensure that. And then also protect, um, you know, sex workers so that they, um, aren't essentially like kind of getting into like the human trafficking scenarios that they get into because it's just how life happens sometimes. Right. And it's really (laughs) frustrating actually that like part of, you know, sex work stigma is like what ends up leading into issues with human trafficking because they get conflated all the time in things like legal battles, like SESTA, FOSTA and all of that is, it gets lumped in there. They try to just like say sex work is like, is human trafficking so that they can put legal restrictions on it um, that are even worse and make it more dangerous for sex workers and make them more likely to end up in bad situations because they can't have autonomy over their own work. um, And they like need, you know, an extra level of uh, 
I guess, like a middleman. Um, mm-hmm. the, those sorts of things lead to that. So it doesn't make a ton of sense that they are lumped in together in these legal things. And it really is just like a, an aggression, an act of aggression towards sex work. It Because it, it is not the same thing. It is nowhere near the same thing. No. And it's just like such a unique world that is has been just kind of swept under the rug um and because of that we can then not you know address the concerns and the the problems that are in that society and be like hey uh (laughs) we need these things (laughs) and we cannot get these things if we're pretending that the bulk of it doesn't exist yeah i can't tell you how many times i've ended up having conversations with people about sex work who clearly like had absorbed all of what they've heard that stigmatized it and all the taboos and, you know, their idea of it was not connected to the experience of being a sex worker or even being a client in any way. Hmm. Um, And I had those conversations with people and they're absolutely, like, mind-blown. They're like, oh, but you're so normal. Like, you have a real (laughs) job. Like, you went to college. You're, like, you know... I can't believe that this is a thing or I can't believe that other people pay for these things. And there's because it's such a wealth of experience surrounding those sorts of things um, that other people absolutely have no grasp of. They have nothing to even go off of. So they just like have whatever a movie showed them, their one friend said and the news, you know, and people's mind are really open, especially like empathetic people. Not that any of these people I know well enough to be able to tell if they'd be particularly empathetic about anything, Mm -hmm. but I've managed to like create empathy surrounding sex work with a lot of people that seem unexpected or they really didn't expect it even from themselves. They're like, Oh, this really changes my perspective. And that's pretty important. And a good reason why things like cam should exist because it shows the like a version of the reality of what it is like. And it's like, this is just another person doing a job and making money just like you. Yeah, definitely that, like, seeing this this as a person, a human and not an object, right? Like, I personally in life um, recently actually had this conversation with someone who was talking about uh, sex workers. And one of them, like, remarked, like I like remarked and was just like, yeah. And she, it turned out she was a ski instructor, and I was like, yeah. Why are you so people? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you mean? Like, like it, he was just like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Some of them like are could be the nurse down. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, I think like there's uh, unfortunately because of the way that it's painted in media and like society is that people think like they're in those positions because they've done something or, you know, they need to because life has done them wrong or, like, they're not seeing that, like, it can be for power or to, like, make yourself feel good about yourself and that these are normal people. Normal people doing a thing, doing a job. Sometimes it's just a convenient side gig. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then it's, like, just, I think because of, like, all this, not to say human trafficking is not exists it's like that's a huge problem Mm -hmm. but that's not the only way that sex work exists and that people can do it because they want to and not because something awful has happened to them and they have found themselves in this position yeah there's in it's just the assumption that i have friends that will like go back you know and forth between like being a stripper and then like a teaching job or just like people have all these assumptions like some of us just do a lot of different things and this is just one aspect of us and that does not define us as people in any way um you know if you're good at something nothing wrong with uh doing it to make money <laughs> yeah yeah you're not hurting anybody so yeah and and i think that's kind of where uh a lot of the horror comes from right is just essentially that we're they're not allowed to exist um and, but they do. <laughs> so that's where we're, we're getting some issues. Um, yeah. Kat, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the common uh, words that we see? Yeah, I'll say words. Yeah. That's quite Your turn. I was just listening. <laughs> you had so many good things to say. So I know. I it's like, great. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is so awesome. But yeah, um, a lot of the horrors from it just come from the, the fact that people don't have a full understanding of what it can be. Mm-hmm. And that it can be just normal people doing a thing but then also that because it's so hidden and like technically for some versions of it 
illegal. Mm-hmm. That when you go to seek help when bad things do happen, that the people who are supposed to help keep you safe either put you in more harm yeah. or take advantage of the fact that they know you're doing something that under the law is illegal. And then you have just like real disgusting and upsetting things happen mm-hmm. where police officers, like we saw in the movie cam, basically, did they assault her? I don't know. They, they didn't like verbally assault her. Assault yeah. Her. It was more of like that idea of like, you do this for a living, so like you can't be taken advantage of. So it's kind of like that, the rule of like, um, like your husband can't technically rape you. Like, we're not allowed to say no anymore once we're married to someone. Like, that was the idea. Like, if you're doing this, you're selling it, then at any point if you say no or if at any point something is happening to you, you've given up your right to, like, just be able to say no or do or just be like, no, I'm a person. (laughs) And all of them know that when they go into a bar and they're belligerent, nobody has to serve them anything. So they should be able to understand pretty easily that we don't have to serve you anything either as sex workers just because this is our job. That is not how that works. (laughs) Well, also, in a job, you go home. Yeah. That's yeah. not forever. It's not just like you that like you are it all the time. That's yeah. not what happens. You have a job, you go to the job, when the job's done, you say, All right and you stroll on <laughs> home, you and then out. you're just who you are again. Like it's it's very ridiculous. <laughs> Cause they're just it's not the perception is just not that you're people. <laughs> yeah. Sex workers are people. Like, the fact that you could have another job or turn off from that time isn't understood at all. It's, like, become something defining to who you are in the eyes of people who don't understand. Yeah. If any, yeah, it just rips from, like, your your autonomy, essentially. Like, you revoke your personhood if you decide to do sex work. And yeah. that's inaccurate. And it, <laughs> and it just comes from the whole... I don't know. It's not exclusively religious, but like misogynistic thing that women's value is defined by how chaste they are. Mm-hmm. If they do anything that is independent and to themselves, that that is like makes them worthless. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. you have the girl who sleeps around in high school and everyone's like, oh, that girl, she's sleeping around and it's in high school. <laughs> she's, she's not worth marrying. It's like, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. The cow milk thing. Oh, yeah. It's It's like, no, no, no. (laughs) I'm a person, and I would like to exist. And if I want to have sex with a bunch of people, that's my business. They want to have sex with me, too, apparently. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't, like, make me any less cool. Yeah. Make me any less of a person. Yeah. Yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, virginity is a social construct. It does not exist for men, right? It's literally just here to, to put value on women and... And if you want to hear more about that, Tim Maurice has a lot of great stuff. Yeah, she went on a whole tyrant. It was beautiful. (laughs) So definitely, if you haven't checked out our women in horror episode, definitely do. That's like the precursor to this one, right? Because this is further in that. But not to say that there's not men who are sex workers as well, right? Or non-gender. Like like anyone (laughs) is doing... (laughs) person can be a sex worker. Real horrors that we've seen just like historically... Where we have, uh, specifically, June 2016 in Oakland, California, was the police department investigation where there was a long history of rape of Ugh. sex workers after they like, like would go to report. Mm. And unfortunately, because of the fact that, like, it was seen as illegal that, like, they just saw, like, I can take advantage of this. Mm-hmm. They're I, already vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that, like, the protections aren't there. And then to further do that to people, the United States, as they do, um, criminalized sex work, but specifically tried to, like, make laws that would make it not as safe for sex workers to do their jobs in safe ways. So, specifically, 2018, the Senate... Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act and the House's Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act basically were just euphemisms. Good <laughs> words. Um, that just made it less safe. Isn't that how Tumblr became privatized too? Where they're just like, no sex on here no more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And it, those things are especially damaging because, you know, on top of the fact that people use like different sites uh, as 
their way to screen clients for safety. It's also, it makes it harder for like people who are coming into sex work or new sex workers um, or people who want to even explore that to, to access it and to access information about it, um, which, you know, like I, for example, was really lucky that I like kind of fell into a network of sex workers. So I had a wealth of knowledge that was like personal, but a lot of people don't have that. And I'll meet Mm -hmm. some people sometimes who are like, oh my God, like you did this thing because I'll post one thing to my Instagram story that like vaguely talks about me being a sex worker. And they're like, oh my God, can we talk about this? Because like, I'm looking to get into it. And I like need somebody to give me advice or like I tried this thing and it went really wrong. And, you know, people have all these blocks to being able to access information about it and do things safely um, or even have someone else to talk to about it. And all of those things are just like what creates a danger because, for example, um, something that some of my friends do is if they're having an in-person client, their client doesn't know this necessarily, but they'll have like the bud the homie behind the next door being able to be there to like make sure nothing terrible happens, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, Or they have their friend like standing right outside the door and they know exactly what time they're supposed to be in there for. Like there's things that we've done as a community to make each other safer. And that can only really happen happen if we're able to have the conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Because if you can't, if you don't feel comfortable telling anybody about it, how are you going to have somebody able to watch your back in those situations? And it's like partially that partially the education issue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think abstinence education, it's not teaching about it just makes it happen less safely. People who don't know the right way to do it or the protective way to do it. And then they're still going to do it, but yeah. it's not going to be safe. You're going to get situations where you are going places and thing. the person there is not someone you should be alone in a room with and you could get hurt or you don't know the safest way to like get the job done mm-hmm. and people hack your stuff and find you. And, you know, if you don't have the knowledge of how to do it safely, and that stuff happens. It's on the side of the customer as well or the client as well because some people really don't have any idea what how to look for what they're looking for and the harder it is for them to find the like more likely they're ha- they are to have like misunderstandings about it and not be able to like be safe themselves or mm-hmm. respect the sex worker because they came from a place where they had no information mm-hmm. and they can't find it and they can't access people as safely as they wanted to it's just all of those barriers are problematic in all ways yeah yeah Yeah, and I kind of like what um you were saying like there the the meaning behind some of the criminalization here was this just this hope that it would then help like eradicate sexually transmitted diseases somehow like now sex work because it's criminalized it doesn't exist the same thing with abstinence right it's like well we pretend we don't teach kids about like protection so then they are not having sex of course and it's like yes they are but now they're getting there's higher teen pregnancy um or there's like you know higher stds and stuff so it's it's like the lack of information actually further uh, like hurts this but then there's also this idea of like if it wasn't criminalized right and we can go and and find sex work almost like any other (laughs) exchange of services right there would be like you were saying there's protection for the the client as well it would feel more um natural and regular and it wouldn't seem shady (laughs) like you wouldn't already start with like i'm weird because i'm doing this it's just like oh i have this thing i want to do let me just look it on up (laughs) let me just search and find the database where everyone's protected and all my stuff is all good and then i could do that and i can explore my sexuality and i can figure it out and i can do it in a contained and safe environment where i feel protected it's not like hush hush and we're like do you do this thing well it's not like i feel like people just always assume you're going right to like something is going inside of somebody. Like, they think sex yeah. is always what's happening. You're going on an escort situation. They're like, yeah, and then you have sex at the end. That's like, no, 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 no. Sex work is not just sex. It's mistitled. Yeah. It is, should be called something else, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Just because it's not all under the same umbrella. and the, Or, like, it is, but it isn't. You know, as you said, like, it's about 
not ple- what was the word we used a word i said pleasure well, before but i mean pleasure even connection yeah. intimacy yeah. um it's just a unique custom service sometimes mm-hmm. yeah and regardless of it, if it actually includes sex right it's just like if we're all on the same page and we're all clear and we're doing this and we're protecting each other then what's the problem yeah. we're all adults yeah i've had some clients that you know like i met them in a sex work context but like really the things that they wanted had absolutely nothing to do with sex. Like, some of them were just, like, bizarre conversations, living out fantasies that don't have anything to do with sex. You know, like, there's all sorts of things out there. And what people imagine, obviously, is, like, like you said, is just, like, they kind of jump directly into, like, prostitute. It's like, no, 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 no. That's like, there are layers. There are other yeah, things that So happen. many layers. And then they... And I feel like it also just gets looped into this idea that no matter what, it is not by choice. Yeah. Yeah, that's That, like, segment. they loop into the trafficking end where it's like, there are definitely tons of people being kidnapped and forced into things that are awful and just, like, no one should be... The power part is the important part. For the person performing the sex work. Yeah. If they are, if that's taken away, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Not the fact that it exists online or that people can access it safely. If anything, that's how it should be so that you have less of the situations where people are being, where the power is being taken away. Where your stuff's getting posted on Pornhub, but that was stuff you did and we're getting money for. And it's taking away your, like, your ownership over it. Mm-hmm. It's the autonomy of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Awesome. So we we watched some stuff. Um, we've mentioned some tidbits of it uh, to you, but if you are unfamiliar, um, we watched Cam, which is from 2018. It is a Netflix film. Um, it is directed by Daniel Goldhaber and written by Issa Mazay. I hope I'm saying your name right. I'm really sorry. Masai. Uh, I think you said it right. It sounds right. And this is what it's about. So Alice, an ambitious cam girl, wakes up one day to discover she's been replaced on her show with an exact replica of herself. Right. So it, it essentially is um, Alice, who is a cam girl. Alice is her real name. Uh, her cam girl persona is Lola underscore Lola. And she is really good (laughs) like it was very um entertaining she's got like this beautifully pink room and she's got all these setups um and she puts on these really elaborate and beautiful shows and just like also like kind of like very specific niche shows like she has some violent ones that were like crazy to set us up with um and then it was all a part of the the game um and then she finds that someone is uh an imposter and is pretending to be her, looks just like her and, um, is making all her money and she's out of her, she's locked out of her account. There's no way to verify her account. If anyone has been locked out of your Instagram, it's like minorly <laughs> like a representation of that. Um, I've been locked out of my account and it was just like, my account became butts <laughs> and it wasn't my butt. And I was like, this isn't fair. Um, <laughs> so just being like, Instagram help. And <laughs> you know, I was able to get in, but I've, even that, it was a horror story of just being like, this is my brand, my personal brand. And it like, and that's nothing. That was like not, I wasn't making money off of my personal brand. Um, I could later, <laughs> but like, imagine that plus, like this is your your financial livelihood. Um, but what is really cool about um, Cam in unique in regards to horror films specifically about uh, sex workers is that she's very personified. She's a person. We see her connection with her brother and he like teases her about her work. We see eventually when she spoilers um, like talks to her mother about it and how stressful that it like her whole family essentially finding out. Right. And that was like traumatizing in and of itself. Um, Her interactions with police officers when she tries to get help um, is very (laughs) like um, uh, relatable to what Kat was talking about in the facts section, um, where, you know, you're, you're already seemed and deemed as nothing. You've given up your rights, essentially. So why should we care? And we're just going to continue to, like, um, put you down and not get you the help. So it is, um, 
written by a former cam girl. So it was a lot of these experiences that we're seeing are are not exactly directly her life, but lives of people she knows or stories that she's heard and in that circle of people. Um, and so it's very authentic and it's it's refreshing <laughs> to see like this human <laughs> dealing with a very human issue. Um, and it just so happens that her job is sex work. <laughs> like this, like you could have put this on. I think when we were talking about it, we were like, because we were doing a, a influencers and stuff like that. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. We kind of see in like YouTube and Instagram. Yeah. Influencers are just like people who are putting on a show online for money. Mm-hmm. That isn't necessarily sex work, but operates kind of in a similar fashion. Yeah. When you are your brand, right? Like yeah. your face and who you're putting out there is a brand. So it's just like, like we, I think we were talking about like Twitch or uh, cosplayers on Instagram or something, right? Like you're just this uh, persona. And if you were on Twitch and then all of a sudden someone took your account and then was being your Twitch, like you lost your finances. Like you could literally take this film and then put it on any of those things. And then other people would be like, oh, cool. I relate to this. But the second you put like sex work in it, it makes it different because we don't ever get to hear this story. And, it, and to have it be like treated this way, um, was just honestly beautiful <laughs> like I really really enjoyed it it was refreshing um and just different it's definitely just, the black yeah. mirror sorry it's no. it's definitely like the black mirror of cam camming and sex work because yeah. it pulls on that like same fear that every person has about the internet and you know mm-hmm. social media and digital media and all of that and it just like it's just a little bit more specific yeah. by hair yeah, and it's just refreshing to have someone tell a story that is from them, you know, where they're telling the story of someone's experience, but they're not being like, well, this is what I think it would be, and then just, like, making up a bunch of stuff, which I feel like you get in the more, I don't, taboo's not the right word, is it? Where it's like, things are not understood. What does taboo mean? Uh, taboo would be, like, outside the realm of normalcy, or what is perceived oh, okay, as normalcy. I mean. Stigmatized. Yeah, so, like, you know, when people, men, tell a story about a woman who was raped. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) This isn't your story to tell. It's nice when it's actually someone who's experienced these things telling the story. Or, yeah, or someone who can relate on a a more emotional level than just being like, I heard that this is hard. I heard that being a lady is real difficult. And it's like, oh, really? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Guess who's living that? All of us. <laughs> like, don't don't take our words. But that's exactly kind of like the, I think what's so interesting. So we've covered like imposters before. Um, and we've also talked about loss of individuality in film. Um, but I think what's so interesting about this is like that there's just, man, I don't even know how to put it into words. It's just like really unique to see um this direct tie to the person that you put out there and your your job and your brand versus the person that you are and how um, they can be separate and they are usually separate, right? Um, and that people have a hard time separating them and differentiating mm-hmm. them. Um, and it does that in such a great way <laughs> like I don't even know what words to say um well the so the the writer herself has said a lot of great things um she has been quoted to say that the point of this story was to tell a story where the audience would identify with someone who does what I used to do um, before we even knew it would be a genre film we knew we wanted to make a movie that viewed sex workers in a sympathetic light and destigmatized sex work and it did <laughs> it achieved that And you know what's funny is, like, to all the people that I, you know, know who are sex workers, who I've talked to about the film, it's, like, everybody likes it, which, like, generally, you know, when there's something that comes out and it's not from the perspective of the right person, um, it just comes off as disingenuous and it doesn't connect. But this movie connects because the person had a background in that. And it makes me think of, like, I don't know, a little while ago watching some movie where they show a train hopping scene and my friend who 
train hops was sitting with me and was like, oh, God, that's like so not how that is. And I thought it was super funny at the time. But I was like, yeah, that's, you know, something you wouldn't think of. The writer clearly had zero experience with this, but was like, but I'm going to write this scene in here. And it makes a huge difference even like the scene was two seconds long but it made a huge difference just the fact that it's like it's clearly that person had no experience whereas this film comes from somebody with that experience so it connects to the people who actually have had that experience as well it doesn't come off as like like you were saying you know a guy writing about a woman's experience that just he's never had so that (laughs) It's a huge <laughs> layer there that makes it work. Yeah, and, like, talking about representation, like, we see, uh, specifically, we talk about horror noir a lot recently. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, when a white man was trying to tell the black experience and how that was so problematic because black audiences were, like, that's, this is not, <laughs> yeah. this isn't right. And it's not their story to tell, even mm-hmm. if it might be interesting. So, yeah, that's cool. I liked Cam a lot. It's just, like, over. Overarching is like this idea, right, of mis of, of representation, and that's what we're going to be covering in this series, right? Is like to be a lot of the time, right? In in our modern life, there are times when we are not seeing certain populaces and certain identities or certain people, and sometimes our only understanding or representation or whatever is through a screen, right? So if for years and years and centuries, whatever, we are only seeing one interpretation of sex workers. And that is victims. um, That is like people who aren't worth like love and attention or are less than people and should be abused. And we shouldn't like, there's no wonder that we then live in a society where that's exactly what people think of them in real life. Right. And it's the same thing what you're seeing in like horror noir, which is a documentary um, on shutter that talks about African-American representation in film. It's like this idea of like, if, you know, people overseas who don't have a large black populace only see the movies we put out, then they have this interpretation of what black people were. And it was a very toxic, terrible interpretation. They're like, oh, you guys are all just thugs and gangsters. And it's like, no, <laughs> like that is not at all what this is. So to have something like Cam, where it's just like, here's a friendly reminder that this is a person and that they have these experiences and that, you know, it kind of just like turns it on its head. And it, it's just like... To see it, it makes you all of a sudden go like, wait, oh my gosh, I've never really gotten to see this before. And that was what was really cool to me. It was just like, why why did it take till 2018? Yeah. <laughs> In college, uh, I took a screenwriting course, and I'll never forget, my teacher told me, uh, write what you know, mm. because that is how you get a real story, because you can actually convey the story from your perspective if you had that experience. And I'll never forget the first screenplay. It was like a short thing that I had to write for the class. Um, you know, it was like, he was like, write one scene. And when we turned them all in, he just had read them all and he picked mine to read to the class mm. because he thought it was really good. And I was like, oh no, because I'd written about something that actually had happened. Um, And, you know, like I obviously cut some parts out, but it was literally the scene was just me driving in a car with my ex, who was a junkie, who was basically like going through withdrawal and we're having a whole argument about it because we're driving to my family's house in Florida. Mm. And I wrote about that interaction, um, you know, like in screenplay format, basically. And he had made made us like read it aloud and play it out in the class. And I was like, oh, no. But also... He was right. <laughs> like, I wrote what I knew, so it came off, you yeah. know, like I really could get behind the characters and what was happening because that had really happened. <laughs> um, and that's just a very important lesson that all, like, directly relates to why this movie works and why, you know, now it's, like, becoming a whole thing that people are writing about the things that they're experiencing rather yeah. than some white guy <laughs> writing about... Everybody else's experience. <laughs> yeah, Scarlett. Yeah, and like, thank seat. God that that's happening. Oh my God, Scarlett. <laughs> and it's also interesting. I remember we were watching the trailer. I like didn't notice this before, but it's like from the same cre- like not creators, but Blumhouse, uh-huh. who did Blumhouse, Get Out, yeah. and you know, getting 
they're doing a real good job at making sure representation is accurately portrayed instead of yeah i will say know, they're inaccurate. they're doing a better job they used to do could, bad. they could do even better well, there you um, go the, i just thought the, it was interesting <laughs> they came from like the same house as get out and i was yeah. like how that was also yeah. like a really good mm-hmm. representation yeah. i just don't want them to get off on thinking they're they did it and they're good because they're oh, not. Oh, no, no, no. Because yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the um, owner of Bloomhouse was uh, recorded saying that they don't hire female directors for their horror films because just women don't want to do horror films. Oh, my God. And oh, it was like, nice. are you, right, have I, you met I, a woman? I rescind <laughs> <laughs> my endorsement. No, but it is like, the thing is that in now modern day, right, is that we are pushing for representation, right? Mm-hmm. And that it, it's unfortunate that it's taken this long, but it's also like, it's good that it's happening, right? Yeah. And it's important that it's happening. Kudos and, where they're due. Yes. But not like, too many kudos. Yes, you get one kudo. And then you can earn the rest later. Um, but yeah, just this idea of like, we want to see ourselves on screen um, because uh, a man ought to see himself. That's the quote from, from <laughs> Horror Noir yeah. uh, from uh, Blackula, <laughs> um, where he's just like, hey, right, man ought to see himself because uh, you don't have a reflection, which is one of my favorite Juno Diaz quotes. But I'll get into that in, in a later episode because I'll talk about Juno Diaz. Um, but yeah, we also watched another thing that we'll just recap pretty quickly. Um, but we watched um, a docu series that's also on Netflix um, called Hot Girls Wanted: Colin Turned On, and we watched one episode specifically, um, which was the fifth episode of the series called Take Me Private, which features Alice Frost, who's a 25-year-old woman living in L.A. who makes her living as a cam girl performing for fans who pay her different rates, and she goes and visits one of her clients. And so what I thought was really interesting about this, besides the fact that they're both named Alice, um, <laughs> was there was this... Uh, she goes to visit this person who she's been talking to for a very long time, and he's been a constant contributor to her page. Um, she talked to him, like, pretty much daily, mm-hmm. right? And she was always, like, his therapeutic person. Like, he would tell her about her his day, and um, he bought all her things. And, like, her even her boyfriend was like, I understand this guy is, like, doing something. <laughs> and, like, um, so when she decided to go to see him... Um, it was a big deal. It was a lot of trust for her boyfriend. But also it was like, I don't think she was really expecting what she was she was going to get. And when she got there, she was she was almost immediately uncomfortable. Um, and not because, like, this guy was a creep, because she didn't feel that. It was more that she felt a lot of things, and she was even, like, caught crying at one point because she was essentially sad because she was not the person that he was expecting, that he had put more weight on their relationship and had clearly put his own life on hold um, to uh, was essentially using her as an excuse not to propel his own life forward right Um, she was just like she was his therapist and his relationship without being an actual relationship so he therefore did not have to try other other things like getting actual therapy or finding actual (laughs) meaningful relationships and was missing ones that were right there in front of him in fact they show like a girl who has a crush on him um but he was super sweet and she definitely like wasn't like this guy's a weirdo she was just like i feel really bad (laughs) that like I've done all like that I've been a part of this guy's life for like five years and didn't know how strong that was that connection was um and it was it was just that idea of like not being able to um detach like from the 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 client's point of view uh the woman from her work like her cam girl from Alice and like her kind of coming to terms with people aren't always going to be able to do that. I think it was, like, the biggest thing was him not being able to understand that she would be different in person, that, like, what she was doing was a persona. It was part of her job. And that, like, he was seeing it more as a strong emotional connection, like a girlfriend, even though that was not what they were doing. You're paying me. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, just, like, the disconnect of understanding it's a fee-for-service. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, she did care about him, but that it was, you can't be your work voice all the time. Yeah, and that like, it's just on. very emotionally draining if you can't ever be yourself. Mm-hmm. And that like, 
clearly, if you can't be yourself around someone, that's not someone you should be more emotionally involved with. Yeah, if they can't see you. Yeah, as a a sex worker (laughs) and as a woman, like, you do not owe anyone anything. You have every right to say no at any point in time. In any, at any, anything. Your customer service voice is not forever. Yeah, or even in any instance when something becomes a no, it's a no. And I think we just need to keep drilling that home. We had our whole series on on rape culture (laughs) and all of that. So, um, yeah, it's one of our favorite subjects because it's such a problem that we want to fix. Don't forget to tip your sex worker. Hey, hey, we'll be here all week. Uh, And then uh, if you don't like it, it is sorry to bother you uh, in your best sorry to bother you customer service voice. So um, I'll put this out for you guys. So for the topic of um, sex work, I'll just say that. Yeah, sex work. The existence of sex work. What is your rating? Ooh, that's spicy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you, you yay or nay sex work? Are you asking yeah. us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course you tip your sex worker. <laughs> yeah, you have to tip your sex worker. Tip her, tip them, tip him. Do it. Just yeah. do it. All of them. For the money. <laughs> yeah. Learn about it. Yeah. Go outside and read or talk to somebody. Maybe yeah. your friend is a sex worker and they just don't feel comfortable letting you know yeah. about it. Because make yourself approachable and, you know, don't say rude things about sex workers because, or slut shame or anything mm-hmm. of that nature because that's probably when your sex worker friend that you don't know about yet is like, ah, Ooh, mental note. Can't tell Definitely that not telling that person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about, um, my, mine is also, uh, tip your sex workers. Uh, how about the topic of, the representation, right? Or, or not representation. Maybe just, like, the um, way that sex workers are treated in society currently. Well, it's bad. Yeah, not not, not good. Not so good. Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. I don't think anyone would be like, it's great! <laughs> yeah. When, like, even in not-sex work contexts, women aren't treated okay. Yeah. It's just a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> Across the board, but extra. Yeah. In this context. And that's your job. Okay. Then um, for the, the mediums that we watch. So we watched Cam and uh, the docuseries. I've already forgotten what it was. Hot it's Girls Wanted, was Hot it? Girls Wanted turned on. Because that's go. what you do. You turn on devices. And then it's, <laughs> it's on now. <laughs> and then also it's it means because you're aroused. I'm for it. It was fun. It was a good time. And it was just like. I respect. I was like, thank God, somebody made something that wasn't upsetting. Yeah. And it was like, good. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. Cool. Humanizing. Humanizing. One hundred percent. Yeah, I thought it was. It was good to kind of have this this dichotomy of like a, a fictional work matched with a documentary because they both treated the subject really respectfully right mm-hmm. so in cam it was obviously like she's a protagonist um we got to see her journey and kind of like walk through her shoes and some of the challenges right but then also the docuseries was really interesting and we watched a few episodes so there's other ones that aren't specific to cam girls so it does like a it's it spans all of them there's other cam girl documentaries so you can hear about like how they get involved and a lot of it is really eye-opening because you're just like no these women are not being sex trafficked right a lot of these people are doing this by choice and it is empowering and it is autonomous for the for them right they're making the decisions they select their clients they're the ones who are getting the money they're doing it because they love it and it's it makes good money sometimes uh and it's also like competitive and that's kind of fun <laughs> right so I, I i want more i would think if they sh- we should have more films like cam and we should have more documentaries um and i'm totally down to to watch all of them and i just think it's good because then you don't if there were more of them then we'd have less witnessing of conversations where sex workers are brought up and as yeah. if they're objects and yeah. not people. And they're not like, oh, they were a ski instructor. You're like, yeah. 
you would just be like, oh, yeah, so my friend is a sex worker and a ski instructor. <laughs> like, so I can go for, to them for several different items. <laughs> like, I can have, there's two options now. I was at a conference um, that is entirely unrelated to sex work. You know, it was actually a professional conference for my day job, and they had a whole track related to sex workers, and I went to one of the sessions, and it was like a room full of people that would have probably never ended up in the same room even knowing that we were all sex workers um, for the most part or people who are just like trying to get a better understanding and be better advocates for it. Um, it, yeah, it's like there's a whole lot of different things out there and the more conversation we have, like that was like such an enlightening experience and I already have tons of people that I get to talk to where I live that are my friends, but the more that we're able to talk to each other like and connect across different places, et cetera, about it, the better understanding everybody's going to have about all of the aspects of it. Yeah, awesome. Yes, that's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Leah, for joining us. This thank you been, for having me. <laughs> it's been super helpful and interesting. Yeah, just thank you. I don't even know what else to say because I was just like, Wow, this is great. I'm so glad. I was excited <laughs> so you glad even <laughs> I was excited you even watched the movie when you told me you watched it. I was like, oh my god, me too. It's so cool. <laughs> like on a completely unrelated to the fact that I've ever done sex work thing, it's like, did you watch that movie on Netflix? It's just like every other thing, but I yeah. was stoked. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to watch it. This is definitely a ten out of ten, like go see it. It's like it's got some flaws and some like uh yeah. issues in some parts of the story and there's like a part in the middle I felt like it was a little dull but a lot of it was very impactful and it was suspenseful um there's also gore so it's blood that's happening which is also really fun for us yeah. thriller people it's very twisty mm-hmm. it's very Twist. fast paced yeah. in the sort of way that it just keeps you on the end of your seat like oh, I'm gonna freak out she needs her identity it's been stolen yeah. It's very similar to watching an episode of Black Mirror where you're like, oh my god, that could really happen to me. Oh my god, oh my god. Even if you're not a sex worker, yeah. you still get that feeling in the movie. So <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. If you guys do have any further questions, that feel free to shoot us an email over at thegoolsnextdoor at gmail.com um, and we can get some answers to you from Leia or even if you were just like, hey, I, that jogged my memory about the women in horror, so let me ask some questions to Timory or if you're just like, do you have any other friends who might know this, the X, Y, and Z? Um, we live in a great area where there's a lot of like, there's a lot of people. They do a lot of things. Um, we're very, I would say, c- connected to different types. And um, we're like, we have such cool friends. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're all super connected, and like the communication lines are open between all of us. So any questions that come into the ghouls next door can easily be funneled to where they need to. You know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Yeah. <laughs> First and foremost. Um, so thank you, Leia, and don't get married. They'll eat your kids. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>